Long ago in ancient Mesopotamia, a civilization laid the foundations for Christianity, but in ways one might not expect. Hosts Denise and Buddy Wood go on a spiritual and thought-provoking journey, uncovering and exploring some of Christianity's hidden truths. Join us as we unveil and explore the mystery that is the remnants of Ur. Welcome to Remnants of Ur. My name is Denise Wood. And I'm Buddy Wood. And last episode, we talked about the Bible and how it is fraught with controversy and idolized by fundamental Christians. To us, the Bible is not a religious device, but rather an invaluable spiritual tool that guides us in so many ways. This is episode 5, and it coincides with chapter 3, entitled Ur, and chapter 4, entitled Abram, from the book Remnants of Ur. The significance of Ur is that it is the city in ancient Mesopotamia where Abram was born and raised. Abram, later renamed Abraham by God, is going to be the focus of the next several podcasts covering five chapters in our book. All right, well, there's a lot to talk about there. (laughs) In the 1920s and 30s, an archaeologist named Sir Charles Leonard Woolley from England excavated extensively in Ur. He was the son of a minister and was determined to prove the existence of Abraham. Although no proof materialized, one source had a good point that Abraham left Ur as a tent-dwelling nomad, and such a person would not have been recorded in Sumerian documents. Nevertheless, Abraham is written about extensively in the Old and the New Testament and has had a huge impact on our planet. He is credited with being the father of the Muslim faith through his son Ishmael with Sarah's maid Hagar. He is credited with being the father of the Jewish faith by his son Isaac with his wife Sarah, and he is credited with being a pioneer in the Christian faith by his descendant, Jesus Christ. Half of the people on our planet today profess to be a believer in one of these religions, approximately three billion people. One thing is for sure that God's promise to make Abraham's name great has truly come to pass. Indeed. Interestingly, Ur was in Mesopotamia, which is now the modern-day country of Iraq, and is believed to be one of the very first civilizations on Earth. Because of the archaeological findings of Sir Leonard Woolley, we know that religion was a major cultural priority. The famous temple, the Ziggurat of Ur, would have been constructed during the time that Abram inhabited the city. So much is known about the culture because meticulous records written in cuneiform on clay tablets were found. Polytheism was practiced throughout Mesopotamia. There were four main gods and hundreds of lesser gods represented by idols. The temple had a chief priest who was highly esteemed and was equal to that of the king. 
The temple priests were extremely wealthy as the temple owned a third of the land and the people of Ur brought the first fruits of their flocks, their crops, their crafted goods, and whatever they created to the temple to honor the patron god of the city, Nana, the moon god. Marduk was the patron god in the neighboring city of Babylon, and the priests of Marduk were well known for their eloquent sermons. They would draw great crowds as people would come from all over to hear the words of the gods flowing from their lips. Their gatherings were similar to modern-day megachurches. An emerging civilization along with Mesopotamia was Egypt. Although Egypt did not invent blood sacrifice, it is believed that when Egypt mastered the art of animal domestication, they began to sacrifice animals to their gods on a grand scale, and the practice spread like wildfire to the surrounding regions. When Sir Leonard Woolley uncovered the altar to the ziggurat of Ur, he found the soot level to be surprisingly deep, and it represented an unthinkable number of blood sacrifices. An article in the New York Times recently reported that not only animals were sacrificed, but humans as well. Remains were uncovered that demonstrated a violent death by driving a spike through the skull of the sacrificial subject. This culture most definitely influenced Abraham during his youth. Although nothing is recorded in the Bible about Abram's younger life, there are several passages from Jewish writings that contribute to the legend of young Abraham, the son of an idol maker named Terah. In the Jewish accounts, the birth story of Abraham was written after the New Testament, and it bears striking resemblance to the birth story of Christ, which I find really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. That makes you wonder about everything. (laughs) (laughs) It begins with a king being warned by his astrologers about the sighting of an unusual star in the eastern sky. They inform the king that the star represents a male child being born that will overtake his kingdom. So the king sends out a decree to kill all the newborn boys in the land. Abraham's father, being a part of the king's administration, knows the plan and hides his pregnant wife. When the king's guards show up to their door, Abraham's father offers a servant's newborn son, and the child is killed. That's like so messed up. (laughs) It it really is. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. I can't even. But the Jewish legend continues that Abram's mother was hidden in a cave and lived there for three years after the child was born. When Abram emerged from the cave to see nature for the first time, it was then that he determined that a single God created it all. Another story shows Abram as a boy peddling his father's idols and asking customers, Why would you buy one of these when they can't even hear or see you? Later, when Abraham was tending his father's idol shop, he asked a customer how old he was. When the man replied 50, Abram said, Why would a man of your age worship an idol that is only one day old? The man was said to have hung his head and left the shop in shame. Apparently, Abram wasn't an effective salesman for his dad's <laughs> <Does> shop. It? <laughs> it definitely, uh, we we actually uh, 
you know, one of our children. That reminds me of one of our <laughs> yeah, children. That, that would have been Daniel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the last story is one of my favorites. It's so uh, actually flamboyant. This story involves a Babylonian king named King Nimrod. Not only is Nimrod mentioned in the Jewish writings, but stories of King Nimrod are recorded in the Bible. As I mentioned earlier, the Mesopotamians were very diligent to record their history. And of all of the kings of Babylon that have been found, King Nimrod is missing from the lineup. So King uh, Nimrod may not have ever existed. Yeah, it appears. uh, Scholars believe that the character of King Nimrod was a mythical archenemy of God created after the fashion of the hero in the Epic of Gilgamesh, once again taken from the Babylonian story. So in this story, Abram has a run-in with King Nimrod. On this particular day, Abram, once again, is tending the idol shop. Oh, yeah, this can't be good. (laughs) And a woman enters to make a sacrifice to one of the idols. After she leaves, Abram takes a stick and smashes all the smaller idols, placing the stick in the arms of the largest idol with the sacrifice placed in front as the prize. When his father arrives at the shop, Abram reported the vicious fight. His father replied, such a thing could not have happened because they are only idols. Abraham smugly called his father out for not really believing that the idols were alive. This infuriated his father so much that he took Abram before King Nimrod to report his horrendous actions. The king ordered Abram to be bound with chains and proceeded to catapult the teenager into a huge fire with flames so high that even the birds could not fly overhead. Abram miraculously emerged from the fire completely unscathed. The only thing that had burned were the chains that had bound him. The legend continues that when his brother Haran witnessed the spectacular sight, he confessed allegiance to the God of Abram. Unfortunately, Haran was not so fortunate and perished after being catapulted into the flames by King Nimrod. These stories obviously are showcasing Abram as the one who found monotheism, and they illustrate his hatred of idols. As I mentioned earlier, there is no solid proof that Abram ever existed. However, it doesn't really matter because three billion people on our planet do believe, and they trust in one of the three Abrahamic religions. Personally, I do believe that Abraham existed for two reasons. Number one, Christ spoke of him. And secondly, the accounts recorded in the Bible of Abraham are completely consistent with the human behavior of one that is coming from the culture of Mesopotamia and a person attempting to follow the voice of God. The stories from the Jewish writings that I just read are obviously... Well, it's, myth- it's mythology is, is the thing. I mean, there's, there's all these stories that are coming forth about, you know, the 
the Epic of Gilgamesh, and then you got these stories about King Nimrod, who there is no archaeological findings. I mean, they they have a, a very complete history of all the kings of that area, but this guy, King Nimrod, isn't even mentioned. So it just continues to show that it's a, it's a myth, it's mythology. Correct. These Jewish stories about about Abraham are simple simple mythology. And then it makes you wonder about the birth of Christ because you're just like, what? That's exactly like the birth of Jesus. The same exact story. So right. is this mythology as well. Now, we know that Christ existed. Men have set out to disprove that he ever existed and then had to come out and say, well, no, he existed. Right, and we will cover that in a later chapter in depth okay. about the evidence that Christ did exist. Yeah. And whether he was born of a virgin or the Christmas story, our faith is not built upon these stories. Oh, it certainly is not. And and the thing about Christ is is that like I say, whether it was a a miraculous virgin birth, whether or not that story is true at all, it doesn't really matter. Um, and Paul, even though Christianity is based around the teachings of Paul, Paul did have some gems. And and one of these gems is, is he said that Christ was the firstborn among many. Yes. And so, so it doesn't matter how much mythology is involved here. The fact is, Christ heard from God to the point and had such a close relationship with God that he called God his father and God called him his son. And that is an amazing thing. An amazing thing. And I know for me, that's what I want to be. Just not too long ago, during my fast, I just recently did a, a 21-day fast as spiritual preparation to this journey that God has called us to now. And during that fast, I said, Lord, I've always wanted you to just come and talk to me. And almost immediately, God spoke to me and said, follow me. You were my son. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. For God to say that to me is just, and that goes to show, you know, that's what Paul was right. Christ was the firstborn among many. And so, you know, and so what's my next step? Man, dude, I just want to be a son, a son in whom God is well pleased, to follow him with the whole heart. And obey his voice and be sensitive because God often speaks in the still small voice. And you gotta recognize that when God's speaking to you because it's easy to miss if you're not paying attention. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us. If you're interested, our book, Remnants of Ur, is available on Amazon. If you have any questions or comments, our email is remnantsover at gmail.com.